Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today we are going to be continuing our study in faith and uh, on faith, I should say, and I am excited to look at this here because this is really when it starts to, to to just really get into it in Hebrews chapter 11. I started looking ahead to to see where we're going to be going, and I am really, really excited, and I really do hope that as you're listening to this, that your faith will grow and it will deepen, and it will grow and deepen not just in an emotion. Sometimes we like to use faith as just an emotion. That it's just this thing of like, I got this feeling and now I believe, and it's just, you know, this idea of I hope something will happen, but I hope that that's not the case. My hope is, is that you're infused with God's word. And as God's word goes and impacts your life, you will go and deepen and strengthen your faith through Hebrews chapter 11 and see what these men and women of faith did in Hebrews chapter 11, but not just their actions in that you'd be inspired by their actions, but see how it was truly a foundational thing that they had faith in God, that they accepted the promises of God at such a foundational and moral level that it completely changed their life. It changed what they did. And today we're going to see that in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be looking specifically at verses 5 through 6. We finished the book of James in our scripture reading. So this morning I'm going to read just Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 6, and then we are going to look a little bit more in a few other passages of scripture as we're going into the the devotional. Um, so we're, we're not going to do a scripture reading today, so not going to have quite as much scripture reading, but there's a lot for us to find out about Enoch and how faith affects our pleasingness, I think that's a word, to God. But it says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness in that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, the first thing that we need to see here this morning is Enoch's walk. Enoch's walk, because this is who we're talking about. And Enoch isn't all throughout scripture or, or anything like that. He's just mentioned a few times. And then, of course, the main place is here in Hebrews chapter 11, and then the original time in Genesis chapter 5. And so let me just read in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, what Enoch was known for. And it says this, Enoch lived 65 years, and he begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all of the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So we see here an incredible story, although it's short, and it's not that we get all of these great details about Enoch, but 
we get just a little nugget, but this nugget was so important and so impactful that Enoch is mentioned in the chapter of faith, the hall of faith of Hebrews chapter 11. We see this, and this is all because what did Enoch do? He walked with God. He walked with God. Now, to walk with God, something that's important to understand about this, it means that he must have been in agreement with God. See, because Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And of course, this is a, a, a rhetorical question where the answer is no, of course not, or not for very long. Walking together takes agreement. You have to agree on direction. You have to agree on pace. You have to uh, agree on time as to when to walk and how far you're going to walk. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you have to agree upon in order to walk together. And it was truly by faith that Enoch walked with God. We know that Enoch believed God because he had to have been in agreement with God. And we know that it was more than just an intellectual act but it was a moral endeavor. Enoch accepted what God said, and he lived his life accordingly. And that's how he walked with God. Enoch didn't question or second guess or try to rebel against God. See, God doesn't put us on a leash, but rather he gives us our own free moral agency to either walk with him or to walk away with him. You know, I think about going and walking a dog. And of course, we have a dog. His name is Russell. And fortunately, we have a dog is what I should say, because I'm not a big fan of dogs. Now, when Sarah listens to this, she'll she'll go and, and get all upset because she really likes dogs and she likes Russell. But Russell, for the most part, walks nice. Well, sometimes anyway, when he's on his leash uh, he'll go and he'll walk on the left side, but he he likes to kind of get up ahead of the pack, or at least he really did when he was younger. And so you have to constantly just kind of jerk that leash just a little bit. Now, he wasn't somebody who would drag yet. He was he was pretty well trained, but but he would go and, and just start to tug just a little bit because he liked to go into lead. And so we'd have to go and pull that leash and, and say, walk nice, Russell, walk nice, walk nice. Well, God isn't going to do that. He doesn't constantly jerk our leash. Uh, either we're walking with him or we're not walking with him. He tells us the path he is going to be on in his word, and it is our responsibility then to take that and to get on that path. God doesn't go and, and put a leash on our necks and drag us around and jerk us around and make us get on that path, but rather we have the choice of either we're going to walk with God or we're going to walk against God. But walking also implies relationship. You know, when you walk with someone, it is generally a personal time of fellowship. And, and that's uh, one of the things that is so important to go and to understand about Enoch here in, in Noah later on as we go and we look at Noah. I believe we're going to look at Noah tomorrow. Uh, but they walked with God. And this means that they were in agreement with God. But this also means that they were communing with God. They had a relationship with God. And... The question is, is how do we walk with God then? Well, it's pretty simple. You need to go and to have a relationship with God, which means you need to be reading your Bible and you need to be praying every day. And going with our theme here of this study, it means that you need to do these things by faith. You know, when you read the Bible, you need to trust that, that God truly is speaking to you through that. 
through his word, that he's trying to say something to you. And if you want to go and to, to, to really know God and, and, and to hear what he has to say with you, what do you need to do? You need to commune with God. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be praying with him. You need to be listening to what the Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. You need to be seeing what is going on in your life, and you need to be walking with God. And this is important to understand that Enoch walked with God because he did so by faith, and that faith then affected his pleasingness to God. See, by faith, Enoch had this testimony, that he pleased God. Now, this is the same faith that we've been looking at here this entire series. It is a title or a deed, and it really has this idea that that actions prove what part of your doctrinal statement you really believe, or there are real evidences with real faith. There are evidences of things hoped for. See, it was evident in Enoch's life that he pleased God. People looked around and they saw that man pleases God. Now, this word pleased, it means to completely gratify. God loved to be around Enoch. And others saw that Enoch loved to be around God and that God loved to be around Enoch. And why did they see that? Or how did they see that? Well, it's because he was exercising his faith. He was looking simply at the promises that he had seen from God. He was laying hold of those promises, and there were evidences that he believed those promises in his life, and he was living his life simply in that fashion so that he was therefore walking with God. I mean, think about it. If we know that God will commune with us if we go and get alone with God, wouldn't we want to go and get alone with God? But how often do you miss your devotions? That's the question. How often do you miss your devotions? Well, if you're missing your devotions, what is that saying? You're not getting alone and communing with God. What does that mean? It means, did you really have real faith that day that God promised that he was going to be there? That he was going to be there? Or, I mean, you didn't want to be with God. How crazy would that be? Now, the verse continues... And it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not just that Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, then it is impossible to please him. It's, it's as though the author of Hebrews is driving this home without, it means apart from, and there, in other words, there is only one way to please God. And this is something that we fight every day in the world. And this is something that we fight all too often in churches. And this is the idea that we have to please God through faith. Simply put, we need to have the attitude that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, I know his word was settled uh, in heaven beforehand. We, we understand that, but you need to realize that you need to know what God says and then, of course, you need to exercise your faith, and then that means it needs to be settled in your life. You're going to act upon what God has said. Too many times, people add exceptions to God's Word. God said it. I kind of believe it, but, you know, I don't want to apply it to my life. That's how we treat God's Word. That's the wrong way for us to treat God's Word. See, faith is the only way for us to please God. 
We believe him at his word, and it produces real evidences in our life. That is how it is to work. That's the process that we are to have as Christians. We are to go and to see what God says, and then we are to go and to believe what God says, and then it produces real evidences in our life where we're serving and we're growing in that service and in that obedience, and then it pleases God. But it also says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's not just this idea that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And then it leaves it there, but it gives us some real places where we need to believe God. First of all, that he is. Well, of course, this is the first step. If we don't believe in God, we obviously can't please him, right? Atheists don't please God. And this is something that is vital. But it's not simply speaking of believing in the intellectual sense, though, because in James 2, 19 and 20, it says this, you believe there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? See, demons don't please God. I hope that you understand that. And so hopefully your faith goes deeper than demons' faith. It is not simply acknowledging the fact that there is a God or even the fact that it is the God of the Bible, but it is this idea of a moral act where you are changed in your inner being when you truly lay hold of who God is. It's that you make it personal. It's that it convicts you to the core of who you are and it brings about a change. God is personal. He wants to get to know you, and he wants you to get to know him. Remember, Enoch walked with God by faith, and by faith he pleased God. Enoch knew God personally, and we need to strive to know him and to know him more. But the next thing is, it says something interesting. It says, believe that he is a rewarder and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, this is one of the most difficult things when it comes to the, the, the Christian life, because there, there are two ditches on this whole idea of believing that God is a rewarder. One is the idea of a hyper prosperity that goes and, and, and you know, is it gets real goofy and flaky in things. We got we to gotta be careful not to fall into that. But there's this other side, too. That's a really big issue. In fact, it's an issue that that I've seen a lot of people fall in because it it tends to be the type of circles that I grew up in was this idea that, that you have to do, that you have to be in drudgery, that God is is almost sadistic and and he wants to go and to, to step on people and squish them and make them miserable. Well, no, God is a father and he gives good gifts And he rewards those who obey him and who seek him. And he wants to reward those just as, just as a father wants to reward his children here. I mean, as a father, I, it is one of my, my absolute greatest joys to go and to give good gifts to Thomas and Henry. I mean, that is, that is one of the greatest things that you can go and see is to, to see their faces light up. And to do that, but, but, you know, if they're going and being completely naughty, sure, maybe there are times when, when, when there is some gift that I give them that, that they don't deserve, but 
when they're being completely naughty, I don't go out and be like, oh, because you've been so terrible today, I'm going to go get you a gift. No, that, that, that wouldn't work. What would that train them to do? It train them to be terrible, right? No, there's a chastening that comes. The gift that they get is a spoon on the rear end, right? That's, that's the gift that they ultimately get when they're being terrible, when they're choosing sin like that. But God, he is an even better father than what we could ever be. And he has promised that he will reward us so therefore, we believe he will. And we need to believe so strongly that it becomes an expectation in our life. We also understand that we may not see all of the rewards on this earth. Sometimes we're laying up heavenly treasures. But this isn't a cop-out or to go and to say that it's meaningless or something like that, or that there's no effects on this earth because that's where people fall into the ditch. That's not what I'm saying at all. You see, we live in expectation of rewards, not participation trophies as Christians. If you're walking by faith, you need to go and to understand that, that the Christian life is not about getting a participation trophy. And that's how most Christians live. They live in this idea that, that, that hey, I, I'm, I'm saved, and, and so now I'm going to get into heaven, so I just get the participation trophy, and that's all I need, and, and, and boop, there it is. That's it. That's the depth of their theology. But no, we need to live as though God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and so we're not satisfied with a participation trophy. We are striving to get the most rewards and the best rewards that we can possibly get, and that ends up being rewarded on this earth and, of course, even greater rewards in heaven. We live with expectation of these rewards. The promise of rewards should lay hold of us. See, it should lay hold of us so much so that we are pouring ourselves into serving the Lord. We are using our gifts and talents to serve him. It's not just that we are seeking to lay hold of the rewards, but that these rewards should lay hold of us, that it causes us to go forward and to run towards Christ. It's as though faith will affect our life. It's as though faith will affect our pleasingness to God. See, heavenly rewards is a motivation, not an excuse. So start serving the Lord. Now, of course, it, it, it gives the stipulation. It's not just that we have to believe that God is a rewarder, but it's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this idea of diligently seek, it means to investigate or to crave. And the question comes as we're getting ready to wrap up here. Is investigation of God's character and craving after God, what would describe your Christian walk? Is it what would describe your spiritual life? Because if not, there's a hard truth that you need to hear. You're not walking by faith. You're not walking with God. Because if you're walking with God, you're craving after him and you want to investigate him and to know the depth of his heart. So today I want to challenge you to be like Enoch, to walk with God. And that means you need to be in agreement with God. 
and to deepen and to pursue that relationship that you have with God. Remember, faith is a title or a deed, and real faith has real evidences. So where are the evidences in your life? Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been